Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. The winners are the, the people with the most stories. One of the great things about traveling is the people that you meet. I've slept in bus stations, like yeah. I've slept on people's floors. And it's already on fire, and then there's just a gigantic, huge explosion, like out of a Hollywood movie. It's not right or wrong, it's just different. We hired like 10 Chinese prostitutes to come be our audience. We were kidnapped by nuns in Puerto Rico. <laughs> not a good idea to be high when you're packing. You forget a lot of stuff. I got swine flu. By the time you've lived through it, it's just a good story. Hey everybody, welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. My guest today is Gretchen, the flight attendant. Been wanting to have a working flight attendant on the show for quite some time, and uh, it's great that she was so kind enough to answer all our silly questions. I put out some uh, uh, requests for questions uh, on Facebook, and uh, some people were nice enough to answer them and send in some questions. And of course, I had a million of my own questions for what the hell goes on on an airplane. And she was nice enough to uh, answer them, albeit under a false name. But uh, I understood it because we don't want to get anybody in trouble here. Anyway, before we get to Gretchen, a little business here. And that means the website, go to TravelTalesPodcast.com. And there you will find links to all our social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. There are buttons there that if you click on them, it'll go right to Stitcher Radio and you can subscribe right there. Or if you're listening on iTunes... You can hit a button and you can subscribe on iTunes. Of course, all this is for free. And hey, if you're on iTunes, why not give us a good rating, huh? It boosts our presence, helps people find the show, and that's always a good thing. So please, if you can do that, I would appreciate it. If you'd like to write me, the address is TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. That's TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. Give me a shout out if you uh, have any suggestions, if you want to say nice things, even if you want to say bad things. Hey, I'll take all mail. Also, if you are interested in maybe being a guest on the show or you know somebody who's interested in being a guest, write me. And once again, that's TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. Okay, we'll have one more show before the end of the year. Well, I'll wrap up a busy travel year for me, and I'm very excited about that. If you are traveling this holiday season, please be safe and travel, travel, travel. Get out there. Do it. Now let's get to Gretchen. If you're like me and you fly a lot, there's always things that happen on an airplane and in airports that you just wonder, what are they doing? Why do they do it that way? What is happening? Well, fear not, because Gretchen is here to answer all our questions. So sit back and enjoy my talk with Gretchen, the flight attendant. Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm here with a real live flight attendant, who we shall call Gretchen. That's not your real name. I've known you for uh, probably about, I don't know, 15, 14 years or something. No, it can't be that. I mean, I'm only 25. It was pre-9-11. That's true. That's true. You started working at 10, and that's how we met. Um, it was pre-9-11, wasn't it? Was, it was, yeah. Okay. We're going to call you Gretchen. That's not your real name, but we don't want you to get in trouble or anything like that. Right. If you want me to answer honestly. Right. We can <laughs> say that you work for one of the uh, big three airlines in the, in the U.S. Yes. Which, uh, by big three, it's uh, American, Delta, and United. Uh, you worked for one pre-9-11. Yes. I've worked for two of them. Two of them. Okay. Now, this is cool because I always wanted a, a flight attendant. Everybody's always got like questions for flight attendants because we all have the same 
flight experiences, we all want to know the same crap. So I have I put out on the internet, like on Facebook, I put out some um, questions. I said I'm going to talk to a flight attendant. If you have any questions, bring them up. And uh, some people wrote them. We'll get to those in a little bit. But give your work history a little bit without naming airlines. But um, when did you start, and how long have you been doing this? So I started in 1998 with the first one and flew with them through 2003. Um, I loved it, but uh, at that time, the big carriers were hiring a lot, so you moved up really quickly. By my second year, I was flying international. I was doing Hong Kong, Paris, all kinds of amazing stuff. See, that's the stuff we dream about when you want to be a flight attendant. Exactly, and I was living that dream. (laughs) Um, And then, unfortunately, 9-11 happened, and I was furloughed for a while, and then when I came back, I was flying... No offense to anyone. I'm from the Midwest, but I was flying Des Moines and Grand Rapids. Mm -hmm. um, Which is not Paris. Right. uh, (laughs) right. Um, So another job opportunity came up. I left uh, the business and um, I just always missed it because I had no... That was my first job after college, so I had no other reference. Um, So then when the big ones started hiring again, just recently, I decided to go back. And so now I've been with this airline for a year and a half almost. So you went, you were out for about 10 years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So paint a picture for me. You get out of school and, uh, was that your first choice of job? Did you, did you say, I love travel and I'm going to go right to that? No, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I, <laughs> not I, many of us do. Right. Yeah. I had changed my major <laughs> once just to stay in, in, you know, undergrad for another year. And then I didn't know, I was like, well, maybe I'll get my master's because I loved school, but I was also paying for my own school via loans, and that seemed a little scary. Um, long story short, uh, back in those days, you just looked in the paper still for jobs. What is this, a newspaper? Yes. What do you call these things it, it's a Yeah, it was, it was a newspaper. It's mm. printed. You get it daily. Yeah, mm. yeah. I kind of remember yeah. hearing about those in <laughs> history class. Right. Uh, so, and... A major carrier was coming to my little college town to interview for flight attendants. And I was like, oh, that seems kind of interesting. Not thinking it was going to ever happen. And then a few months later, I was going to training. Well, it seems like even then, and this is 98, that they uh, were tough jobs to get. I mean, it didn't seem like an easy gig, right? I mean, how, how big was the pool and what kind of... Elimination process was it? It was very difficult. Which another thing, I had no idea. You know, I was just kind of. You thought it was like you could just sign up, (laughs) winging it. Oh, I I see (laughs) what you did there. I get you. Um, Yeah, no, I show up at this hotel and there's all these people that I didn't understand. And this is like a smaller midwestern town, so I don't know where a lot of them came from. Other towns to go to this interview, and. we were there for like three hours just doing, you know, get up, introduce yourself, also get together in a group and talk about things. And people just observed you with clipboards. And um, then you get a letter in the mail. <laughs> I made it. Right. Like, a, I think it was like a month. And then they said, OK, now you're going to go to the real interview. We're going to fly you to this big city. And that was exciting itself. I'm like, oh, someone's flying me somewhere. Mm. To... And that's a whole day of all kinds of uh you start off in groups and they again observe you like doing different activities. And if you make it through all the, what I found out later too was one of the points you're like waiting in this room, but they're actually like listening in on the room too. So like, 
<laughs> and people were interacting. If people are like gossiping and right. saying, exactly. this is so dumb right. or something or, like that. Right. Or one girl in my group actually was sitting there telling everyone how she knew a pilot, so she was getting the job for sure, blah, blah, blah. Oh. Needless to say, she was leaving interesting are they so they're like watching you through like two-way glass or something i don't think they were watching but they could hear us talking in there well when you say they they were watching you do various activities what kind of activities well that so they would put us together in groups and they i don't remember exactly what it was but they um like i remember we did this exercise where we had like draw a circle and then each person had to contribute something in the circle either like their hobbies and but there were people watching, I think, just how we were interacting with each other more so than the actual task, just seeing who was sort of leader. They don't really like to hire leaders to be <laughs> flight attendants because they want you to work as a group. So you got to kind of downplay that. be a team player. Stuff. Right. So the people that thought they were there and like, we're going to, you know, ace this interview by like telling everyone what to do, they were also exiting um, oh, wow. Yeah, but, you want to be a leader, go to pilot school. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, so, and then if you made it through all these various hoops, then you went to a one-on-one interview finally, and then that was way more specific, obviously, to talk, you know, talk about yourself and your accomplishments and what kind of person you are. Um, <laughs> and then again, and then you left, and you had no idea, and then you waited around for another letter, and... Uh, we got that in the mail, and now we're flying you to another city to do a whole medical exam. You have to do, you know, your eyesight has to be a certain, it has to be correctable to 2020. Um, your ear, you have to, your hearing has to be really good. You, ha- you do a bunch of physical tasks to see if you can handle you so, know, those requirements. So now, but in, back in the old days... They used to. Um, there used to be a lot of body requirements, like weight and height and all that stuff. Do they still have any of those? They don't really. But I mean, again, like you were saying, the pool of applicants is so big, they can still kind of. So if you're obese or something, they say yeah. you know you can't. Okay. Right. And we do. You do still do a reach test because you have to be able to reach the overhead bins. So there's not a height requirement, but if you can't get your hands up. The clothes. Yeah, I wonder that about you because you're on the smaller side. <laughs> I you're, am. you're a I'm, tiny person. I'm right on the edge. Yeah. Oh, really? Yep. Okay. Yep. But you can reach though. Yes. Okay. I passed the reach test. And do they have heel requirements? Like you, high yeah, heel they requirements? They don't want you to wear really high heels. They're supposed yeah. to be under three inches. You can't have your uh, dancing pumps on right. your Saturday night. They're uh, trying to avoid your that. disco pumps. Yeah. Although, okay. as all of you know, you've seen you've seen both extremes. Yes, people that I are have. wearing their bedroom slippers and people <laughs> that right. are actually wearing their disco pumps. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so you go through the training. Oh well, you haven't. So now this is still the interview process, right. and then you get there. So you go and to the, medical. It's a whole like it's a half day of stuff. And you do that. You do that. Then you go back home. Wait again for a letter. <laughs> so I started the first interview I went to was in August. I didn't get a training date until January. That's how long. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay, so you go there, and then now you got to train. Right. How long is that training? That's two, uh, two months. Two months. Mm-hmm. So they put you up in a city of their choice or wherever the school is? They, yeah, they have Probably their, their own hub. accommodations. Oh. Yeah. Okay. In the, it's, yeah, it's in the hub city. So, so are there – this is what I always kind of wondered, and I don't know if anybody asked it, but are there nauseous tests, like seasickness kind of things, like there astronauts aren't. go through? Because that's what, I, that's what scare me, because really? I get seasick. Yeah, you know what? That's actually a good point, and they probably should. <laughs> yeah, but turbulence they test. They don't. I when I went through the first time, I'd probably only been on an airplane twice. 
What? Yeah, because we just were, you know, we were just this, you know, I was like a very lower middle class Midwestern girl. We didn't fly places. We yeah, didn't go on either. vacation. So I, you know. So this is a big, this is pretty exotic for you. It was very exotic. But yeah, and I didn't know if I was going to be nauseous, I guess, but mm-hmm. so what was ca- fine. When they say the training, what uh, what was the hardest part about the training? The hardest part is, well, at that training, I had to live with three other girls in one room oh, okay. and share one bathroom. So that was pretty difficult. That's um, tough. And Particularly them, for women. Right. It's tough. And yeah, coordinating in the morning and mm-hmm. try, and obviously being on time is one of the biggest factors in this job. So you were not allowed to ever be even a minute later. You were basically asked to go home. So we really like had to make that work. And one of my roommates was crazy. Uh-huh. She actually left halfway through, but so that was <laughs> good. But um, did you make her crazy? Did you blame yourself? I'm sure it was partly myself. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, I blame myself. Um, yeah, and that, so that was hard, and also just you know being they were again watching you the whole time. You're you know you're living on this campus, you're eating there, you're going to classes there. So you're never really you get a little bit of free time, but not much. And the mm. rest of the time, I mean, we had to be in regulation at all times, which means hair up, makeup on, you know, wearing either our uniforms or business clothes all the time. This is where being a male flight attendant comes in really handy in terms of like preparation time. Right. You know? <laughs> do they say? Do they? What if you came with no makeup on? Uh, well, if you just didn't have makeup on in training, they'd probably pull you aside and say, don't do that again, or we're going to ask you to go home. Okay. But, yeah. But even on the job as well. Oh, on the job. Yeah. Well, here's, there's a probationary period in the job that's six months and that period you can't break any rules because the company can ask you to leave for any reason or no reason. They mm-hmm. don't need anything. But after you become part of the union, which is after that probationary period, it's pretty hard to lose your job. Yeah, I mean, you have to say, do something. You know, she didn't wear makeup one day. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. But uh, most people, do. I mean, well, most people <laughs> try to look nice. Right. <laughs> Aside from the crazy roommates, well, what did you find the most difficult part of training for that two months? Um, the medical stuff is is difficult. Like you got to do CPR training and all yeah, that Yeah, you have stuff? to do all CPR yeah. training. Like a lifeguard and, almost. Right. Mm, yeah. Exactly. Do you have to work the uh, the paddles on yes. somebody's mm-hmm. ooh. AED training, um, and then just the sheer number of aircraft that that carrier was flying at that time. I think there were seven different. It's not like the people are going more to like seven thirty sevens and Airbus. Now at that time we had at that airline Boeing products and Airbus. So and you have to learn those planes inside and out, and you have to know where all the emergency equipment is on the plane, memorize it. You know, all the door operations are different. Um, evacuation processes are a little bit different. And you have to we do all those. You have to learn all those things. And then you have to demonstrate in an emergency situation that you know what you're doing. And, you again, you can't. There's a very small margin of error. Like, they might let you redo it once, but that's about it. So, Did you have, did you, other than the crazy woman, did you see a lot of people uh, fail out? You know, no, not really. My that class, I think we lost five people, and there were probably sixty of us. Um, but again, because there's such a large pool of applicants, they can really kind of pick. They know what they're looking for. I mean, these airlines have been in business for a long time, so they they're the process of weeding out the ones that aren't going to work out 
right. is pretty good by this point. Okay, so now you get the job. And you were stationed in the station. I don't know. Did they place you where you want to live? or They, uh, well, they gave us four cities and you could put them in order, but I got preference. my last choice. Okay. <laughs> so no, I did not go where I wanted <laughs> What to go. was your last choice? Chicago. That was your last choice. That was my last my hometown. choice. Right. How dare you? I know. Well, I, well, I was a Midwestern girl and I wanted- So you were like, was, San Diego. Yeah, there was San were... Francisco, New York. Okay, I get um, that. Right. And- uh, that's where I, I wanted to go to San Francisco or New York. I wanted to get out of the Midwest. Right, right. I was like, well, if I'm getting out of here, I'm getting out. I get that. But I fell in love with Chicago. Yeah, you didn't it get it. Out. Yeah. Okay. So you go there. Mm-hmm. Now, how long before you start getting these choice flights to Paris and all the other stuff? It was my second year. Yeah, because it took two years of hiring so much at that. I mean, okay. so many people were coming in underneath that. I was. I went on. It's called reserve when you're on call. So I went into international reserve. So I was just waiting around. I was going everywhere. They called me to go. Mostly domestic stuff. You would. No, no, no. This was second year. Was all international. Stuff. Okay. Yeah. All international. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's yeah. great. Yeah. So, but like your first couple of years, are you doing? I was like when I take those little tiny like American Eagle flights or those little regional carriers. Is that like the people just starting out? That's a whole different operation. Okay, it's the those same are... parent company, but those—it's a whole different group of flight attendants. Oh, okay. That has nothing to do with the main line. They get paid way less, if you can, <laughs> okay. if you can believe it. So, so okay. Um, so, how about the little like flights from, say, Chicago to Detroit on a, on a smaller plane? Those short flights, like there to Omaha or something like that, are those the junior flight attendants usually, or those ones starting uh, out? I'm yeah, just wondering, on, is it like, like it's a, a gradual on thing? On the main line, yeah. Well, and it's a, but it also depends. That's one of the great things about the job, too, is everybody has a different agenda. Like maybe somebody wants to lay over in Omaha because it, yeah, their family brother there. lives yeah. there. Or what, you know, so you never know why somebody wants to do what they're doing. But yeah, I mean, generally, uh, okay. you know, Paris is hard to get. <laughs> yeah, I'm guessing. <laughs> so two years of that, I don't know, has it changed now? Is your typical work week different now than it was in 98 it's different in that they the airlines have perfected the um maximizing of the schedules like we used to have much longer layovers now they've got it down where they can get like the most work out of you and the least downtime ah. so we don't so the fun part of the job right the fun has part been minimized. of the job has been minimized <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> i mean has the internet affected that and and like uh, cell phones they can just immediately get a hold of you or well, change schedules on a dime? Not really, because we still have work rules that they can't break, which is part of the, the union? union protection. Okay. But those work rules have also, you know, become more stringent as time goes on. So Okay, so now let's get to the good stuff. You're going now you're going international. Give me some of your best trips that you took. Like when you look back and go, that was awesome. Well, Tokyo was always fun. Oh, nice. I love that city. And that was one I don't know, you know, not have Having never been anywhere, I just, you know, was like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to like Tokyo. I don't care about that. It was You don't amazing. care about what? Yeah. Well, I, like, I don't know. I think I had my heart set on Europe, and that was all I was sort of focused on. And then yeah. I get the trip to Tokyo, and, you know, I'm like 23 years old. What do I know? You know so we go and just eat all this amazing food. I don't even know what some of it was, mm-hmm. but it was just ridiculously good. And then they're like, okay, now we're going to this karaoke bar. Of course. Of course. And it's all these airline crews from everywhere. I mean, like Qantas, everybody. Oh, was it in the uh, Rapongi? 
Yes. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So it was, yeah, that was an eye-opening way over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was a lot of... 23, yeah. eyes wide open. That's <laughs> like, got to be oh, great. Oh, wow. That's got to be awesome. Um, so, uh, like, how long of a layover? Because that's a hell of a flight. Does it? Does the layover uh, coordinate to the length of the flight? Yes. That's part of our work rules, too. If you if you work a certain amount of hours, you have to lay over a certain amount of time. So, And that hasn't changed a lot um, for international because you just need to rest. And the pilots need to rest. Um, so you'll still probably get like a 36-hour layover if you go to Tokyo or Hong Kong. Um, if you go to London, they do have really nasty trips to London now where you'll work there. For, turn around and right back? Well, you get... It's like a nine, they call it a stand-up. It's like nine hours. And it's it, not enough time get, to do anything. Right. You get there basically in the morning there, and they want you to sleep all day and then go back. And, but and then you got to stay around Heathrow, and there's nothing around right, there. Exactly. But again, there are people that want those trips because they get paid a lot of money in a little amount of time, and then they have more days off throughout the month. Okay. Well, now is, your, is the foreign pay scale more than the domestic? Yes. You get paid a little bit more for international. By the hour? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so if you're going all the way to Africa or something. Right. That's... But that's another thing that's become not so great because I think it's better in general for the flying public, but now everyone code shares. So the American carriers don't fly to as many places as they used to because they're just code sharing with the international carriers instead. So mean like American and then United and uh, with their... Partners, you mean? Mm-hmm. Yes, like Lufthansa flies more, more of the routes now that like United maybe used to fly. Oh, so you don't get any, you can't so you fly can't those. You can work them, yeah. Can you fly them? I can fly them on my benefits, yeah. Okay. But you know, it's all standby space yeah. available, which is... We'll get to the benefit right. part later. <laughs> so, you're, okay, so you're at Tokyo, that's awesome. Yeah. So did you have like a 36-hour layover? Yes, oh. I, that might have been 48. Ooh, yeah. and do they, so they put you up. Yes. So you have a, and Narita's... Like an hour outside of Tokyo as right. well. So yes. did they let you stay downtown or do yes. you have to stay way by the airport? Yeah. No, we stayed downtown. I don't well, remember huge. what hotel it was. Well, that's great. Um, but yeah, they, you know, they provide all, all, of our, all of our transportation and things. Okay. So we don't so have to worry about that. On the layover, do you get a per diem as well? Yes. you get. But our per diem is like $2 an hour. It's not... Okay. It's, but still. But still. It helps. Yeah. And it's tax-free. And all airport transportation to and from the hotel. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So there was Tokyo. Any other? Did you did you get to know uh, Paris well? And... I went to Paris quite a few times. Oh, it was amazing. Nice. London, a lot. Like to the point, it seems silly now because I'm not flying any international. But there was a point where I was like, oh, oh London. London <laughs> they got to go back <laughs> to one of the greatest London, cities another, in the world. Another Dude. London trip. In <laughs> uh, Hong Kong was amazing. I, I liked Hong four, Kong a 48 lot. Forty-eight hour layover, and again, I had nothing. No, not did not know what to expect, and just went to the open air markets. Was like, you know, I'll eat those shrimp mm-hmm. that are crawling, crawling around right there, and they just cook it right up. Mm-hmm. That was delightful. Yeah, I like Hong Kong a lot. And then the train goes right there to the airport. Yeah, that's a, and it's like just four stops. You <laughs> know that express train. Yes, so awesome. Yeah. Um, so did you get to go farther into Asia? Did you go to Thailand at all, no. or Bangkok, or no? Oh. Nope. Just to- I've only been to Tokyo and Hong Kong and because that was where the, flew, that carrier yes. flew direct. Okay, yes. mm-hmm. so you got to know Paris and London. Any other big ones over there? Uh, we went to Frankfurt a lot, which I don't love Frankfurt, but I do love Germany, which is another. I was kind of surprised. I'm like Munich is amazing. 
I would go back to Munich every week. So much fun. I had a lot of fun in Munich, though. Of course, I was there in Oktoberfest. So. Yeah, but there, that's the thing. That's a little Munich ridiculous. Munich and Dusseldorf are always having, it's always a fest. Like, yeah, always some fest, right. yeah. I was there one time around Christmas time, and they were having some sort of like Christmas fest, which is basically Oktoberfest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's got to be beautiful there. Oh, yeah. It's got to look like a, a snow globe or it something. It is, and then they're serving the glue wine. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. What is that? Is it like hot or something? It's like yeah, mold I did have wine. it. Mold wine. Yeah. Yeah, and it's hot. It's actually not that tasty, in my opinion, but you drink it because you're. Because you're outside and you're yeah, cold and right. you're shopping. <laughs> um, okay, so now you're living the life. It's going through. 9 11 happens. Where were you on that day and what were you doing? 9 11, I was. So I had been flying international the month before, but uh, my brother was supposed to get married. Well, he did, but. He was getting married that weekend oh. after 9-11. Uh, so I had I had bid for a domestic schedule that September just so I could make sure I had enough time off around uh, his wedding. So I was supposed to fly a trip that day. I was going to be going to um, Denver and San Fran. And um, I remember it was just like it was a beautiful day in New York. It was a beautiful day in Chicago. And I remember being like, annoyed that I had to go to work that day um and I'm getting ready for work and my phone starts ringing a lot which is weird like people don't normally call me on a Tuesday morning a bunch of times and I so I finally like go to like again this was like during answering machine oh yeah so like let me retrieve my messages it's like my mom my grandmother you know everybody's calling you so but we had been and still are so ingrained that like you go to work, you go to work unless you hear different. You have to be on time. You can't be late. I mean, obviously. So I'm call, trying to call people back, but I'm, you know, still like I gotta get get out of here. I gotta go to work, and so I get my mom on the phone finally, and she's crying and hysterical, and I'm like, Mom, I'm at home. She's trying to tell me what's happening, and I'm doing my – well, I still have to go to the airport. Like, no one called me and told me. And she's like, turn on your fucking TV. <laughs> <laughs> so I turn it on, and I see the video of the planes going into the building, and I said, oh, you're right. I probably don't need to go to work today. And then I immediately was like, I got to go. I need to find out where my friends are. I get right on the computer, try to start seeing who – you know who was on the manifest for that flight everything's already locked out so it was it was a hard few days because there were a few people that i didn't know for sure where they were um but i actually didn't know any anyone who who passed away so how long before the airline called you i mean told you what to what the story was going to be or did you were calling work all the time trying yeah. to figure out the story yeah they didn't call me um if I remember right, I, I think I just, they kind of told us to keep checking our work email thing at that time, which wasn't really a real email thing. It was this weird um, airline email. And um, you would just check in every day to see if we were going back to work or not. Um, as far as my brother's wedding, I ended up having to drive out to California with my friend because we there were no planes flying and they considered canceling it, but they went ahead with it anyway. And so drove out there and back. 
I had plenty of time off yeah. to go <laughs> yeah. to the wedding. How long but, before you went back, you flew again? Um, I was furloughed for like three months. Wow, that yeah. long? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I went on unemployment. Yeah, it was weird. I never thought I'd be in an unemployment office. That was a whole other mm-hmm. odd undertaking. But um, <laughs> um, so yeah, and then they then they finally called me and said, "Okay, you're being called back." And but I remember from that time the the number of flights they just cut back, way back down. Oh yeah. So I mean, yeah, you couldn't have nobody. been even when you went back. Your hours must have been cut way back. And I, I do. I remember the first flight I worked back. Um, we were all still really frightened. I mean, we really were. Like we were putting ice mallets in our pockets, just being prepared for like anything. The the pilots at that time, we'd have like we we have a safety briefing before every flight. <laughs> still, and and there's we're still on high alert. But at that time, you know, you'd have captains saying, if anything starts going on back here, we're gonna roll the aircraft. So if I say this over the intercom, get in your jump seats and buckle in because we're. <laughs> Roll it? Roll the plane. Yeah. So it was pretty tense. You mean like to keep, to make yeah. someone, mm-hmm. to, if someone's standing up right. and threatening, they're yes. going to turn it upside down? And, yep. Oh my God. Yeah. And because I'm a little crazy, I was kind of like, wow, that sounds kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> of course, I, you don't want to be in that oh, situation. Of course, yeah. But, um, and I never was, thankfully. But yeah, it, it, then there were about... That flight, I remember, was a 757. There were uh, five of us flight attendants, and we were all, like I said, ready to like take on anybody. And there were <laughs> maybe like 10 people on the airplane. Oh. Yeah. And uh, then the next trip I worked, I had to go to New York. And um, I'm getting kind of choked up thinking about it. Ooh. We were, it's the first time we flew in, and you could see the, uh, the aftermath. The, of it the was Twin still, Towers? Like, the hole in the ground. Yeah, and the the number one flight attendant got on the PA and said, "If you look down, you can see what those bastards did to us." And like everyone just started crying on oh the airplane. God. It was really, it was yeah. It, it, I remember it flying back tough. the first time and, and seeing without the twin tower after having lived in New York, and to see the skyline without those. Because I yeah. lived in Brooklyn, you could see it from my the rooftop of my building, and that was, you know, and and just knowing when you walked around, that was always south. You know, that's right. you could always get your bearings because you could see the. Yeah. It was very very strange and surreal. I remember I'm, I remember the first trip I took after nine eleven. It was just it was all just weird. It was all, and I just remember the times, the security lines getting much longer. Yes. Yeah. Which... And everything took a lot longer. <laughs> And all of a sudden, I have to take my shoes off. Now. Right. <laughs> Everything. And your belts. I mean, did it make your job a lot less fun after that? It did. I, I, yeah, I mean, it's that really changed everything. It's still, it's still really Im- impacting everything. Right. But. Do you remember being able to like just freely open the pilot's door? And- mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we used to spend a lot more time up there. It was a lot more fun. We could... Yeah, we could just go in and, and out. I could go, if I was bored, I could go up there for ten minutes and you know look out the front windows and <laughs> you know now it's a whole process and which is good. You have to be secure, but right. Yeah, I mean, 
Yeah, it's so it's weird. It's not as fun. Okay, so I remember you when you said you were leaving the you know the first time when you quit your job at your old airline. Uh, a lot of it came down because they had to redo the union contracts, right? And they were making how many people they were cut back? How many people lost their jobs? I don't remember. It wasn't. It wasn't a lot at the time that I left. I think more were let go later. Um, but they were going through the bankruptcy when I left. And that's why I, I had another job offer and I just thought I should probably take this because I just don't know what's going to happen. Right. And you were young enough that you could start another line of work. Yes. A lot of the old timers that were just like, they were so yeah. invested in, they couldn't do anything else. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I remember you telling me that, that the, the offer that came, but the contract was so bad. You just said you might as well get out now. Yes. Yeah. And that's another thing I think probably most people don't understand. We're all kind of still working under those cuts. Like it hasn't, it's just now maybe starting to get back to the point where they're going to offer a little bit more money and a little bit better benefits. So now you take off, is it 10 years in the real world? Was it 10? Around there, huh? Yeah. Something nine or 10? Yeah. And uh, you realize, boy, I miss it. I really did. It was, pro- and it wasn't that far in that I really missed it. All of a sudden, um, the desk is a little yeah, boring, isn't it? I don't like the desk. I, yeah, I found out I'm not a nine to five desk <laughs> person, even though I many of us aren't did it for ten years. Yeah, it was not. Yeah, I, I I was really excited when the opportunity came to go back. So, how easy or hard was it to get back into it? It was tough. Um, I think the figure was. 80,000 applicants for 1,500 jobs. And that's just with the carrier that I was hired with. And this is just a few years ago, mm-hmm. like two years ago? This is two years ago. Uh, yeah. yeah. So now, yeah, it's a recession. Yeah. And there's no jobs anywhere. Yeah. So you still managed to get in. Right. Did your previous experience must have helped a little bit, right? I don't know because sometimes they don't want you to have that because they want to indoctrinate you into their own, you know, culture. Did so- you originally try to go back to your original airline? I did not, um, and if I get specific about that, then people will know yeah. what I'm talking about. But it, uh, I still had friends there, and they said the environment there was not that good because of what was going on with their contracts, and they actually suggested going to the other oh, okay. carrier. So it was nice that I had people on the inside that could kind of steer me in the right direction, <laughs> and they were right because um, they're still having issues. But um, what were we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> How hard was it to go back? Oh, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, so I didn't even think I was going to get the job. I mean, I knew I was going to apply, but I thought, well, I'm kind of older now. And yeah, I don't know if this experience is going to help me or hurt me. And there's so many applicants and there's going to be all these cute, like, 20-year-olds. <laughs> um, you could pass. Thank you. <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, I I mean, it was the same kind of interview process, though, although now it was, you know, you get emails and stuff, so it doesn't, yeah. you're not waiting for a letter in the mail. Uh, you get a phone call and an email. But it took a long time again. I applied in October, and I think it was, it was August again when I went to, or no, it was June when I went to. But then you had to redo all that training again, the oh, same yeah. training. Well, there was some different aircraft this time that I didn't know, but it. I mean, it made it way easier for me because you none knew of what it to was, expect. Yeah, I knew exactly. And it wasn't that much different. There's more security training now, which is good. So I put it out there on the internet. Like I asked people, 
what did you always want to ask a flight attendant? So I'm going to go on my phone right now and see some of the things people asked. Okay, first of all, tell me, you tell me the question you're asked all the time. Am I going to make my connecting flight? <laughs> and, and I pull out my crystal ball and I say a little chant and then give them my answer. The okay. thing about connecting flights is everybody can pretty much look that up on their phone now from their seats. Um, we also have connecting information, but as everyone knows, all that stuff changes. And it's just, you know, until you the door of your aircraft opens and you walk out, Nobody really knows whether you're going to make your connection flight <laughs> okay. or not. <laughs> okay, here's one. My friend Lori K. Allred wants to know, how many people have died on your flights? Um, I don't know for certain, but I think two people have actually passed away. How could you not know for certain? Because they were, ta- they were still breathing when they were taken off of the airplane, but okay. they were not in They never physically died shape. on the flight. Right, but we diverted... Uh, so they could get out and go to a hospital. So what happened? Were these old people? Were they? Um, the one was fairly old. Uh, this last time it happened was probably like six months ago. Uh, I don't believe the gentleman was that old. I mean, he was middle-aged probably, but had some severe health issues, oh. obviously. And it was, yeah, those... So what do you do? I mean, do people freak out? I mean... The ones next to them and going... This particular one, it, people were freaking out because the call light went off and I happened to be the one to go. I was like, I'll take this. I go up and the guy's taking his shirt off. Ooh. Yeah. So, and he's all disoriented and he's fine with um, a woman, but she's, you know, freaking, freaking out. out as oh, well. Boy. And so she's not being very helpful. But as you know, we always ask for medical assistance and we were lucky we had an ER doctor on board and a paramedic. So they take over, just tell them, they, and basically I become the errand girl, like fetch me this kit, fetch me this. Um, and we did actually end up getting the defibrillator out, hooked them up to it. Um, and something people may not know is that we there's a doctor on call for the airlines. So the pilots are communicating with that physician the whole time these things are going on and we're relaying the information so that physician is making a call about whether we're going to land or, you know, what to do with this person. Okay. Um, my friend John Bongiorno says, he wrote uh, Mike High Club. I think he means Mile High Club, but maybe he's inferring <laughs> that if I've ever been in it. Well, um, have you? Can uh, I ask you? <laughs> I can say no. I mean, those bathrooms are tight. I don't know how anybody could. They're also disgusting. I know they are horrible. <laughs> hey, by the way, could you like work on that pee smell when I walk into the plane? I mean, Febreze the crap out of you it, will you please? can't imagine the amount of like spraying that is done. Oh, my God. Just, you know. And then when I see people walk in there in their bare feet oh, or their socks. We just had a man last week that had bare feet and he was st- i just yeah don't oh, do the please floor don't do so, that there's so much pee on that floor please, so much pee on that but floor. even on the regular carpet and just yes. please keep your and just it's kind of rude Pe- oh keep people with their on. socks oh keep, the socks on the plane your feet on. keep your shoes on <laughs> oh that's that's see actually somebody asked about uh body odor how rex perks rex perkins how bad can the body odors be on a flight uh, I do. I have hey, I was on a flight exam. from Africa. Holy oh, crap! Yeah, Ooh, boy. Well, one time I did, I had a bunch of French pig farmers one time <laughs> on a flight, <laughs> and it was French pig farmers. It, they were French pig farmers, and it was pretty bad. But they were so lovely and delightful that you know I didn't. I How actually did you know didn't they care. were pig farmers? 
Because they told me. Okay. Yeah. Is they, it truffle season we were, or something? They were French and we were going to like Des Moines or something. And I was like, well, that's Why would odd. They go so to, I started yeah. asking them what they're doing. They're buying doing. pigs? Uh, or selling I don't it. know. Or maybe going to some sort of pig Bacon symposium. I, you know, uh-huh. I, don't, I don't know. Um, but I also, I had kind of an interesting story the other day. I was, I actually smelled the people. I was in the back alley and I could smell the people. <laughs> And so I kind of walked out just to see if it was food they had or if it was, yeah. and it was just them. But, you know, it was, you know, it's a different culture. They weren't Americans. And um, the call light goes off, you know, we're boarding and I go to the row in front of them and it's this couple and this guy goes really loud. Something smells really bad in here. Like, can you, is there something you can do about that? Or can, I mean, I don't know what it is. So. I was like, oh, hold on, you know, I'll, I'll be right back. And I go in the back and write on a napkin. I believe it's the passenger sitting behind you. I'm so sorry if you'd like me to move you to another seat. You know, we can do that. So I come back and pass them this napkin. And the guy felt so bad. <laughs> he just, he was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I said, well, I'll be happy to move you. No, no, no. Then they were like, no, we're staying. Oh, really? You toughed so, it out? I would have yeah. gotten up. Well, you know, you get used to it after a little bit. Do you? You don't smell it anymore. Mm. But I, I've heard stories about that. Like people have asked, like somebody got like booted off a plane for, didn't a couple? It was a famous story about this. Some oh. couple got booted off a plane because they smelled so bad. Really? Because the no, other I passengers didn't. were, oh, that's got to be terrible. It, yeah, it, it's hard, and all the flights are full these days. They've also all of perfected perfected the art of making sure every flight's full. So yeah, I remember those days of like having like half the plane empty and just walking yeah. in the back and lying across four seats yeah. and sleeping. I had sixty plane or sixty people on the plane the other day, and I was delighted. It was like you know, oh, yeah. a holiday. Okay, we have another. My friend Kristen asks, why do the seats have to be upright for like landing and takeoff? Well, they need to be locked in place because if something were to happen on landing, we can't have, you know, your seat could flop all the way back into the person behind you and pin them in or hurt them. And then it's going to be harder for them to evacuate the aircraft. It's the same thing as, you know, everybody's bags have to be under. You just can't have anything obstructing your way out of the aircraft. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. Timothy Harrison writes... Do they give preferential treatment as a way of flirting? You ever see a cute guy on there and going, you know oh. what, I'll give him an upgrade or a little, little... you can't well, upgrade, no but you can, but you can but, give him a yeah, free drink you, or something? You get complimentary stuff. Yeah, it happens. Well, I feel bad that I've never gotten anything now. <laughs> I don't believe you. No, I am. Sheesh. <laughs> that's, that's terrible. Are pilots egotistical? That's what Tony Kameen wants to know. Just like anything else, some are and some aren't. Um, but yeah, they, you know, I think especially captains, that's, that's kind of part of yeah. the people that They're the man the up there, huh? Yeah. Yep. Um, okay. Well, uh, you knew this was going to happen. How often do they sleep with pilots? <laughs> they. Um, <laughs> well, there, there have been some changes with that too there used to be the flight attendants and pilots always stayed at the same hotels now that doesn't always happen and we also aren't paired up as much as we used to be so you're not necessarily going to layovers at the same times with your crew and it's i mean to be completely honest most of those pilots are 
kind of like math nerds. There's either the like hot shot, like <laughs> right, really yeah. like Top trying gun. to be cool guy, or <laughs> yeah. there's the like engineering type. Yeah. Like there's really not a lot of in between. So it of course happens, but it's probably not the way it's that you are. Re- uh, now in the, I mean, that seems to be like an older thing. Cause uh, especially now in the days of sexual harassment lawsuits and stuff like that, they can get in, trouble right oh yeah well i had a pilot once tell me that before we started having female pilots they used to keep all kinds of porn up in the cockpit all like they would open things and there would be you know and right. so and they were like oh and then these females came along and it ruined the ruined locker room in the cockpit right. that's funny uh okay oh okay scott padore wants to know what kind of tips or gifts have you ever gotten from passengers I've gotten more gifts than tips. I get nice, I'll get Starbucks gift cards. I've gotten like Vosges chocolates. Nice, mm. yeah, nice things, especially around the holidays. Some people kind of get it that you're like, you're you're working on the holidays and it's kind of nice to just be like, hey, thanks for taking us to our families or whatever. Um, tips, we're really not supposed to accept tips, but if you really want to give your flight attendant a tip, offer it more than once. The first time they're always going to say no because you have to. But if you keep offering, then at some point they may take it, especially if it's large. Okay. <laughs> and have how have, have you ever like repaid these gifts with, say, cocktails or free desserts or more desserts or something? I've or- never had anyone give me like a preemptive tip, like hoping <laughs> to get anything out of it. I did the other day. Oh, apparently the cute guys get the preferential <laughs> treatment. That's what I found I out. I actually, the, the people I've comped lately were both men like traveling with their families like drinking cocktails like i just comped someone last night um and then i comped a guy a couple days ago and then he called me back and gave me a pen that was my tip Classy. so it's not it's probably you know not what? as exciting as you guys and with that think. you could write my number down right but i also with the gentleman last night i always like to say I'm happy to give you this complimentary cocktail, but please, please, please don't get on your next flight and say, well, last time the girl gave it to me for free because flight attendants hate that. Do you and, get busted for that? Well, I, mean, can you... I mean, yeah, we're not really supposed to do right. that. But of course, I, you know, I'm a human being and I want everybody to be happy. And sometimes people are nice or you see them helping somebody else with their bags or just, you know, or you see they're like exhausted with their families and they just want a cocktail and you're... But... It is against the rules. And what happens is the flight attendants that are more uptight about it start complaining when people say, well, the last flight, the flight attendant gave it to me for free. And then that's when the clamp comes down and then nobody's getting anything for free. (laughs) Right. Here's an interesting. Scott Bedore asks, uh, do they tell you who the air marshal is or what seat he or she is in? Oh, yes. We know every armed passenger on the flight and every air marshal. And they all have to be introduced to each other so they all know who they are in case... Is there more than one on flights? Air marshals yeah. or armed passengers? You could have... Armed passengers. Armed, some of the pilots are also armed now. Well, yes. you can have uh, other armed passengers? Mm-hmm. Well, law enforcement. Like cops. Yeah. yeah, okay. I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's some guy not with his just, hunting no, rifle. No, not... No, any... Right, no, <laughs> yeah. these are all law enforcement yeah, professionals. Okay. Yeah, But you have to know where they're oh, at, we have at all times. Yeah, we have to uh, be introduced to all of them, know where they're sitting and... That seems like a sucky job. Just to fly all day and, and I just... don't know. The air marshals seem to like... I mean, they also get to go to, like, Paris and That's London. True. And they you get sit, a lot of reading done. You know, they get good seats and... 
Yeah. Well, that brings me up. Any other, have you ever had any security scares? People like doing suspicious activity you've had to report? I have not. No, I've been very lucky. And that's great. That's great. Oh, here we go. What's the most bizarre, this is Jerry Vale writes, what's the most bizarre item they found left behind on the plane? I don't think I've ever had anything bizarre. People got to leave like iPads and, and oh, phones all the time. Oh, constantly iPads and phones. Yeah, you and guys, those never you got to check your seat back pockets. Yeah, that's it. That's, I lost like two iPods that way oh my back gosh. in the day. And yeah. you know, the, the cleaning crew's got to take all that stuff, right? Oh, yeah. If, if, <laughs> oh, we, yeah. if we find it, we give it to the customer service agents. But, uh, you know, if the cleaning crews come they're on, gone. If I, they don't work for the airline. That's a separate yeah, that, company. So they, they're not bound to give it away to anyone. Oof. Okay, Pat, my friend Pat writes, how afraid should I be when turbulence happens? Not at all. Not at all? No. You don't get, freak out at all? Like I... Kind of like I was talking about when I thought maybe rolling the plane would be something fun to do. I cool enjoy a little bit of turbulence myself. Okay. Um, but no, it's not. Those planes can withstand a lot. A that lot. being said, how much of you, what's the worst you ever saw someone freak the hell out, like scared of flying? I, um, oh, well, we, there's a lot of fearful passengers, like more than probably, there's always at least a couple on any flight and you don't realize it because a lot of times they're quiet. They're not freaking out. They're just, you know, sitting in their seat and they probably want to like start banging their head against the seat or the window, but they're keeping it together. But we can tell when we're going through, you can see those people. And, um, but I did have really bad turbulence one time where a mother, I sat down, in seats across from this mother and daughter because it was just, it was so bad. I didn't want to try to get to my jump seat and they were screaming and crying to the point where I ended up like getting up and going and sitting with them and holding their hands and just kept saying, it's going to be okay. We're, you know, we're fine. They were hysterical. A mother and a daughter. And a daughter. Yeah. I mean, the daughter was probably like 11. And the daughter would probably be fine if she didn't see her mother freak exactly. out. Exactly. Oh yeah, the mother yeah. was freaking out way worse than the daughter. Exactly. But I did. I had a. Any of you that fly to Denver, you know, there's almost always turbulence, and it can get pretty bad coming in there. And there was one time I made it back to my jump seat, but we didn't have time to lock anything up, and it got so bad that like everything fell off the counters, and then it was all hitting the ceiling and hitting the floor. Oh. So milk and orange juice and stuff just. And it was all over us. And we started hysterically laughing because it was just so absurd. We're like, oh, I guess we're going to have to try to clean ourselves up before we get back out in the aisle. Well, that brings me to something that I remember you telling me that you prefer, like most of us would think, oh, it's better working first class. But you, you think that working coach is easier. Well, working coach is easier. I don't necessarily prefer it. I actually like to work in first class. But because it gives you something to do, yes. Or otherwise, I like you'd be, to be bored. Busy and but there's also responsibility that comes with being the number one flight attendant or the purser that the other flight attendants don't have to deal with. Like if anything happens, you kind of are the one that has to re- do the reports and the paperwork, and you're responsible for the cockpit as well. And some flight attendants don't like to to deal with them. I don't mind it myself. <laughs> That's called the purser, the porter, the purser, purser. Yeah, or sometimes it's called the number one, the head. Flight attendant. Right. Okay. Um, 
So, but I actually, I mean, you know, part of the thing that's great about this job is the variety. So I kind of like, you know, I might work first for a while and then be like, oh, I'm just over this. Like now I'm going to work main cabin for a while. Then you get bored with that. Then you go back to the other cabin. Okay. My buddy Mitch wants to know the best or worst, best and worst things you found in the restroom. Oh. (laughs) Do people leave like medicine in there or like bandages? That's the thing. There's nothing best that's ever been found in in, in the lavatory. Um, Yeah, that is an odd question, Mitch. But, well, I mean, maybe if the lady took off her ring or a something, diamond, I could yeah. see that. But, but, of course, we're going to return it. But, no, that's that never happened. Um, I found a lot of things, I, you know, diapers. Oh. Um, what about maybe, the people that, like, change their kid's diaper at the seat? Right. That's unacceptable. Oh. Almost every airplane lavatory has a has a changing table now. You must take your child yes. to the bathroom. Um yeah, it's either it's diapers or it's it is it's someone's has joined the Mile High Club in there. Have you fa- caught somebody? I've caught people in the seats, but I don't in if, the seats. If they're not if they're not bothering what? another passenger. I just but you know you there's watch. a blanket. You just sit there. And watch. <laughs> <laughs> Can I get yeah. you two a, hey, a, cocktail? a cocktail? Uh, but you know people have blankets. What are they doing in the seat? What do you think? I mean, they're, I mean, they're making there. out. I mean, but it's like their bank blankets mm-hmm. over I, them. I don't. You know, I try not to. I don't know what they're doing, but there's something. Is it like, it's a hand job, right? Right. Okay. <laughs> or <laughs> you know, more? You saw more than Maybe that? Maybe other things. Come on, really? Sometimes like the other head underneath head the blanket is not visible. Yes. Oh, <laughs> really? But like I said, if it wasn't no, those French farmers? If, was no, it? they were the pig no, farmers. No, <laughs> no, it wasn't those. Gentlemen. Okay, those good. Gentlemen were. Lovely. Okay, I know you like them. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, talk about the. Uh, we had talked about this earlier today. Like, I'm all the dogs now that are coming on the flight. Yes. Um, so now people can have emotional support animals, which is a gray area. There, how hard do you check those that paperwork? Well, it it just requires a doctor's note. So it's more like who's getting their doctors to write these notes? Like, who has a doctor friend they can get to write them some sort of a note? All of us, right? So you know, I, I'm sure there are some people that actually. They have anxieties about flying, and maybe it does help them to have their animal. But I think a lot of the people that have these so-called emotional support animals really just want to have their animals out of their carrier and play with them or yeah. have them on their laps. Or the the animal's like their child, so they don't think it should be in a carrier in the first place, and they want it to have its own seat. Right. And I thought there used to be like a like a size thing if it was small enough that it could sit on your lap right but, but now yeah. there's some of them are huge no size limit on the emotional support animals yes yeah, so you have a great dane sitting yeah. in there on your what's the biggest dog you've flown in the uh, cabin uh, um that you've seen the biggest one was a lab <sighs> yeah and it was sitting in a row uh, you know it can sit on a seat back. it takes up a no, seat it was but that's the problem is this dog there was the flight was full and three people were sitting you know in so the it's too big cabin. to sit on the lap yeah and the dog is like at everyone's feet, basically, oh. even though it's not their dog. I also had a woman a few months ago. The dog was like medium sized, uh, but she happened to have no one sitting next to her. But she went back to go to the lavatory and she just like went in and left the dog. And so the dog started running up and down the aisle because it probably was disoriented. Oh. And had, 
So I had to get the dog, and then I took the dog back to the seats and sat with it and petted it. And it was like nuzzling into me, Aww. drooling on my uniform. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then she came back and was just, you know, it's just oblivious. Like, oh, you got to sit with my dog for 10 minutes. Oh, like, great. I had nothing else to yeah. do. <laughs> but they, I think it's going to come to a head on that. Like somebody's going to, enough people, like I have dog allergies and, and other people, that it's going to... Yeah. People are just going to abuse it too much, and then it's going to ruin it for everyone. They're going to say no more, I hope unless you're, you're right. blind or something, right? I hope you're right. Yeah, I would think it's it's going to something's got to give on that. Okay, my friend Dan, you know Dan? Yes. Uh, he says your favorite bar or restaurant that's in or close to each major city airport. Well, that's too many, but that's a lot. Is there one decent airport bar? And are you allowed, you're not allowed to go like drink at the bar in your uniform no, no, or anything no. like we that, right? No, no, no. We can't, uh, we're never allowed to drink in our uniforms anywhere. Uh, we're not allowed to drink eight hours before we report to work. So. You too, huh? I thought it was just yeah, the pilots. No, us too. We get random drug testing, random alcohol testing, just like the pilots. But was it always that way? Or? Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and it used to be stricter. It used to be 12 hours before the flight. Oh, so they okay. relax that a little bit, actually. Oh, wow. It'll be interesting to see with the legalization of marijuana. Interesting, yes. <laughs> that ever. All those people becomes. coming out of Denver there, <laughs> right. you know, it's uh, legal. Right. Um, my friend Chris Burress, okay. There was a time when a majority of flight attendants, this is him talking, were right. young and pretty hot. Now most are older and crusty. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? Well, that's where the seniority and layoffs came in, right? Right. Well, the, yeah, the majors didn't hire for like 12 years, so there's a big part of it right there. Also, you know, they, a lot of things relax. It used to be, you know, you couldn't be over 25 years old. You couldn't yeah. be married. You couldn't Sexual have Sexual harassment you rules. And yes, all kinds. Of, they used to weigh them. They used yes, to weigh them. Yes, used to be weighed and measured and... Now it's, you know, like any other job, they have to give everybody a shot. And Equal opportunity, employment. Mm-hmm. Thanks a lot, government. <laughs> uh, you know who d- still hires on looks is foreign airlines. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, they're gorgeous. Well, I will tell you this last go I mean, you pass. I mean, you're, oh, yeah, come you. on, let's be honest. This, you're, this, you're an attractive lady. But. Thank you. This last uh, training, I have to say, though, most of the people in my class were attractive. They weren't all young. Yeah. But they, like, for instance, one of the ladies in my class, I'm not sure exactly how old she was, but she's around 60, but she was a Playboy bunny. Oh yeah, yeah, and she's like still one of the original gorgeous. Playboy yeah, buddies. Yeah, yeah, no, she worked in the like the did Playboy club. Did she pass through? I mean, did oh, she yeah. get through? She had been a flight attendant before. Okay, she was but again, like they probably they don't have age requirements on the uh, training though. No, is there a retirement? Well, I'm sure age? there's a. You probably they probably won't start you in training if you're like over sixty five. I would guess. Right, but, but I mean, is there a mandatory retirement age? There is, but I don't know what it is. Actually, maybe there's not because the, some Delta flight attendant was finally just asked to retire, and I think he was ninety. Come on, ninety. Yeah, yeah, as long as you can pass. So every the year, things? every year we have to go back through training. I don't. This is another thing people may not know. We have to go back through and um, for proficiency, make sure we still know how to do all of our emergency stuff. Get updated on any security things that are new. Although we're constantly getting updated on that anyway, but. That's part of the training. And then we have to go, you know, you have to be physically able to do all of the tasks. So they test you on that every year. And it's kind of like a driver's exam. If you can't do all of it, then it's, you know, you got to go. Yeah, my this last flight attendant I had on, on my flight was crusty. 
old. <laughs> I joked that her cart pushes. She should have had like cut tennis balls on the bottom of it. <laughs> well, that's Push. we joke. I guess there was a, be a walker. Yeah, there was a lady that was storing one of those smart carts down in one of our operations room and using that to like take her luggage like from oh, like really? operations to the plane because she couldn't even oh, carry it. Anymore. Poor thing. I know. Okay, my friend Peter asked, being a flight attendant was once glamorous and has changed so much over the years. Has it been a good decision for you becoming a flight attendant? I love it. I mean, I mo- most people are, you know, it's just like anything. There's most people are nice and respectful and I like meeting new people and you know, going to different places and I love flying. I still like think it's a miracle. Every time I get on the plane, like, this is so awesome that we're, like, flying in the air. Yeah, we have to, um, like, remember that. It was like the old Louis C.K. Yeah. routine. It was just like, this is amazing. We're, right, yeah. We're in the air. Exactly. You're complaining, they did my Diet Coke, uh, the ice is melted. You're right. flying. Right, you're flying you're going somewhere, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so, yeah, I mean, even in, even in my, like, shorter lifespan, it's changed a lot. But it's still an yeah. amazing job. My friend Annie Wood asks, is morale lower on the cut rate airlines? I'm guessing the only thing worse than flying spirit is working for spirit. <laughs> yeah, I don't know anyone who works for spirit, but I hear lots of bad things. They've um, got to be being paid less, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you, is that a different union? Is it all the same union? Yeah, every airline has... There's not one well, like flight attendants union no, f- that covers airlines. No. It's all individual yes. contracts and yeah. all that stuff. Right. Yeah, they got to be different. budget, right? Yeah, it's. I mean, even on my airline, Southwest? we still charge. Oh yeah, they, there's a whole separate thing. Um, but are they making less? Southwest actually has one of the best contracts. They make they make really good money, but yeah. you don't. I mean, it's all domestic now. They just, yeah, they just started flying international, but it's only to like South America, you know, like the Caribbean and stuff. Like, yeah. they're not going to be flying. So, they only not fly. Go to Paris. Another thing I think people don't know is one of the reasons why Southwest is so so good and perceived as such a good airline is that they only fly one type of aircraft. That makes it a much simpler operation to run. They only have seven thirty sevens. Oh, that's it. I so didn't. Know, I much, didn't realize that. Yeah. So it's a much simpler. So the training's all operation. even the yeah. same. But even like the scheduling and like. Being able to swap out aircraft. I mean, they're all the same aircraft. Whereas when you're working for one of the other big boys, you know, there's a lot of different types of aircraft. P- only certain pilots can fly certain yeah. airplanes. So it makes it a much more complicated situation. So that's why Southwest has better on-time ratings and things usually. But oh, that's yeah, interesting. If, if you work for them, though, yeah, you're, not, you're never going to work to Paris. Boy, you're yeah. Gonna... You get to know Phoenix real well. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So if you're okay with that, yeah. you know, I'll take a little bit less pay and, and fly everywhere. Right. Right. Well, that, that's interesting. Yeah. And plus they got to be all that fake cheery. I hate all that cheerleading yeah, crap. Yeah. I don't either. Andy okay. always, uh, he also asks, and do the flight attendants at better airlines not mingle with the discount ones? <laughs> you're like, ooh, you see them in the airport? You're like, oh, look at those spirit people. No. Ooh. No, I mean Ryanair. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think it's like that. I think it's like anything else in life. You more think like you're the one. Like I think some woman from Air France is going to look at me and be like, American Air, an American. I'm I'm an American airline, an American, an American airline person. And I'm um, yeah. Uh, let's see here. What do we got? Is that all the questions? That's pretty good. 
Oh, have you have you flown any of the um, those giant new Airbuses? Those huge ones. I haven't been on one. I am not. No, I'm not qualified. Is that the 380? Is that the mm-hmm. yeah, yeah the double decker ones? Yeah, we don't have mm. those yet. Do you ever hear stories from like the old time flight attendants of like? I remember talking to an old pilot once, and he was like, "Yeah, I remember them," because it used to be glamorous, you know, right. flying. He's like, "I remember them carving steaks in first class yeah. and like well, the first roasts I, and stuff." The first time I went through, we still had to learn how to carve the Chateaubriand. Like they were still doing that back in 1998, and yeah. we, you know, I worked 747s with the upper deck. I, I haven't the been lower, up there either. Yeah, and the and the galley, a lot of the galley stuff was in the lower lobe, so we had to take a little elevator down and like bring carts out and it was a whole but you know those airplanes are you know they're just going away are they gone are yeah. all the upper deck ones gone we don't the have lounges? any uh, yeah we don't have any i don't i don't think any of the big three do anymore if they do they're real old yeah <laughs> you know the scary thing is you know i've flown all over the world and like uh, I find out what they do with the old planes here yeah. they sell them to these old uh, like exactly. i've flown some stuff in asia and exactly. around there's like this plane. It's still at the ashtrays and the armrests. It's like a yeah. 70s plane. And <laughs> I took an Air Cubana flight that must have been like, it was an old Russian Aeroflot plane. Wow. The, the writing was still in Russian and, and stuff like, it was, yeah, it was, it was bad. Yeah. But, do, but the thing Eisenhower is about, era. Right. You know. Well, we had a 747 that we called Christine. Oh, no. Yeah. And whenever you were scheduled to work it, everyone was like, what's going to happen today? Something always went wrong? Yes. Yep. Oh, well, always. That, what was the biggest mechanical problem you've had in the air? I have never had one in the air. Nothing thankfully. in the air. But that's... What like never was, blown engine no, or anything like that? I haven't. No, and we've had bird strikes and things, but nothing that ever... And um, I had a lightning strike in the back. Oh, yeah? Of the plane. Yeah, but it didn't... What did that sound like? It wasn't really a sound. You just saw it. It just was like flash of light in the back. And I said, oh, we should probably call the cockpit. Oh. And I said, we were, I'm pretty sure lightning just struck the back of the airplane. Like flying through an airport mm-hmm. or flying through a lightning storm has got to be the most frightening yeah. thing. Like yeah. for the passengers, they right. got to be freaking out. And that's why we try to fly around it or not fly, which, you know, I think people still have a hard time understanding that sometimes. The reason why we're not getting going is because it's not safe. It's not because right. the airline's trying to make you miss your connection or, or they're just, you know, we all want to get there on time. We all want to go where we're supposed to be going and get there on time. Right. Um, but sometimes it's just not safe. Yeah. My friend Amy asked, um, why do they make you, why does it take so long to get out of the plane when you land? <laughs> um, well, there's a variety of things that could be happening. The, the, most frustrating thing, I think, for everyone is when you get there early. And the gate's not ready. You can't get to your gate. Because the gates are, they kind of lease them out, right? How does that work? Well, it's, yeah, they're leased to the different airlines. But what happens is, you know, they're, they're trying to, like, you know, obviously fly as many flights as you can in a day. So it's all, it's, you know, it's pretty tight. And of margins. course, to our minds, we look at it as a parking lot. It's like, just go to the next gate. There's right. an empty one over yeah. there. Just is, pull over yeah. there and, and let us out. It doesn't work that way because some other plane, especially if, if you're already delayed and some other plane can still come in and get in on time, well, they're just going to let them like park at their gate, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I think the most frustrating thing is when you come in early. And, they, you know, there's only so much staff at the airport and they're working the flight they're supposed to be, but then you're there 20 minutes early. Well, they're not ready to... You know, there's nobody available to bring your plane into your gate. So things like that happen. Um, 
And getting off the plane also depends a lot on your fellow passengers and whether they're in a hurry to get off the plane or not. I asked my friend Micah, this is, a, this is how uh, dumb I was. Um, I asked him when they make the announcement when you land and they go, one Eleanor, one... And I was like, who's Eleanor? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, no, they're saying left and right, Eleanor. Right. What does that mean? They're checking the doors? We're double checking each other to make sure that all of our doors are disarmed because just like... Like the last two weeks, a couple of slides have been blown, and that's like a $50,000 slide mistake. Yeah. Oh. So if you don't disarm your door properly, you, it'll, I mean, it'll shoot it'll, like an airbag, like right. it'll shoot the slide yeah. out. And you could actually hurt the ground personnel. Oh, yeah. So uh, it's very important. That's one of our foremost safety things that we need to be focused on is making sure the doors are armed when we leave in case something happens and we need to get out, and making sure they're disarmed. Once we get back and it's safe and time to disarm them. Um, and you also, though, I had someone once once tell me, because sometimes we say cross-check. Like cross-check. Cross-check each other. That's making sure you're, you know, the other flight attendants have disarmed their doors. It's like a double. And I had someone once say, why are you saying crotch-check? <laughs> <laughs> I thought, hmm. See where Where's your mind's his, yeah, at. Yeah, exactly. Were you, were you the one that was in the lab crotch earlier? On a... What's wrong with Eleanor's crotch? <laughs> <laughs> Who's Eleanor? Let's ask Eleanor. Eleanor. <laughs> Eleanor. One Eleanor. Who's Eleanor? <laughs> Every time it gets me. Okay, so what is the craziest thing you've ever seen somebody try to stuff into the overhead compartment? This pisses me off. Like people, I, I have, have two, a huge yeah. Two main pet peeves. One, the person who's sitting in the back and throws their bag up in the front yes. and walks and takes my spot, and he's sitting way in the back because yes. he doesn't want to. Carry, he, he just grabs the first opening. Right. He, he, and he should just have checked it. Yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, two people trying to jam way too much in yes. there. Yeah, I don't, I mean, really, the most ridiculous thing is always some huge overstuffed suitcase yeah. that just, you know, uh, it shouldn't be getting jammed <laughs> in there. And sometimes it makes me nervous. I'm like, that's really like. They really like, I'm like, how are they going to get that out? And also the same people will ask us to help for help. Them. And, you know, I'm and you, tiny a little person. tiny person. And this is another thing public may not know. We're actually not supposed to lift any of your bags because it's a workman's comp issue. If we get hurt, you throw your back and out the or... airline has to pay. So they say, don't, no, you're not to help lift any bags we can help rearrange them once they're in but i mean you're pretty much responsible for your own packed stuff and if you can't handle it then you need to just check it i do uh i help uh, with other passengers just because i want to get the hell out of there right and i see some lady trying to i was like i'll get up and do it and and the people who put it in sideways and go no do it front wheels first and just like they don't get it yes but a lot of people don't fly a lot so i was like i'm help. i just want to move it along move your ass right yeah. And people look at their ticket and go, no, I'm A23, and they're looking at it. And they're it's looking the at the alphabet. It's the right. numbers. Exactly. Come on, please. And the, yeah, they're at like row five, and they're thinking they're going to see it. It's like, or they're yeah, just messing the hallway or the, in the aisle. Like, just step aside, let the people behind you get yeah. through. Just... And they have, it's like they have no idea that part of the on time departure depends yes, on them. Yes, move they your have... ass. <laughs> oh, my God. And then the old people, you feel bad, but oh, move your ass. Yes. Oh my and I'm always encouraging the older people to check their bags because at the gate, we don't charge for checked bags and it right. goes right down into the plane. So there's no way it's going to get lost. So it's like, you know, just go to baggage claim and get it. Then you don't have to mess with it, yeah. like getting it up or getting it out. 
But, you know, it's there's a huge phobia about checking bags, and I understand with lost well, bags. Yeah, no, but, yeah. but at the gate, it's not going to get lost. It's going to go right down into the cargo hold. So I encourage you all to check your bags <laughs> at the gate. Give me the your least favorite airport to go to. When you see you're flying there, you're going, oh. Atlanta. Atlanta? Mm-hmm. It's massive. It's just it's too big. It's a mess all the time. Um, it is crazy. It's a mess. That's the busiest, I guess. Didn't it pass O'Hare as the busiest? I think so. And it, you seem to get delayed a lot out of there. LaGuardia is the same. LaGuardia is a dump. Yeah. Always delayed. Um, I don't love Miami either. But I had the cold. That whenever I tell people that are, that are going through Miami, I always tell them, and this sounds weird, to bring a jacket. Because the airport is always freezing, like the <laughs> air, the AC is cranked, so people are like dressing. We're going to the Caribbean, right. and we got and they're in they're having a layover, and they're freezing. They got to buy like yeah. a, a overpriced sweatshirt in the because the air yeah. AC is cranked. And then I've flown there during a winter. They had a cold snap. It was like in the forties, and there's no insulation or any in, in the hotel in the uh, whole building. So it was like f- like fifty degrees in there, and it was freezing. And I had like a Six-hour layover. It was the coldest yeah. I'd ever been. So now you always bring a jacket, like a fleece or something. Smart. Dress. Don't dress for the island when you go through Miami. Right. Dress for the airport. And to your point, also dress for the airplane. Yes. A lot people, of people, it's like, oh, I'm going somewhere warm. But realize everybody's body temperature is different. We, we can't... Layers, ma- folks. We can't make it the right temperature for 155 people. It's just not going to happen. People so are bring, always too cold yeah, or too hot. Bring layers. Um, and we don't have blankets anymore. I'm sorry. But or we pillows. We just don't. And only in first class. I and know. then people will try to take them out of first class. And then it's an embarrassing thing where you have to go back and ask them. Well, there was a thing with like, back. with pillows. I mean, are you in blankets? Are you saving that much? Is it a big, when they cut that back, You'd be surprised I mean, the amount of money that's saved on buying new ones and laundering them. It's just, you know, it's just one of the, it's just like with everything else, like the bag fees. Food. They don't food. give us food anymore. Yeah. I mean, they just had to cut everything way back. And Which so made your job easier or harder? It's harder because we have way less tools to make people happy and to comfortable. To shut them up. That's what yeah. food did was shut people up, right? I mean, it does. Well, now we have the in-seat screens on a lot of planes. So that, that's got to be huge. I think they should... Put that in everything. I mean, you got to have like a way. TV because it, it is like the electronic babysitter. Yeah. It'll shut people yeah. up. Although most people too, they just you know now they just bring their iPads and laptops and they're just plugged in. You got to love that. I do. Except one of my biggest pet peeves is people are plugged into whatever they're plugged into, whether they're working or watching a movie, and. You know, we're coming down the aisle with this big metal cart and we're looking at you and you see us and there's this look of bewilderment. Like, what could you possibly what could want? They possibly want? <laughs> and then they still don't remove their earplugs and I'm shoving a napkin and, sir, would you like something to drink? Finally, they I'm take sorry, the earplugs what? out. What? <laughs> what do you think we're doing there? <laughs> it's, it's all we do now. Right. You're just, you're getting a drink or you're getting nothing. And I've, we've actually bypassed rows sometimes because the whole row is not paying any attention and you're yeah. you know doing hand signals and no one's looking up okay they're not they must not be that interested and inevitably someone from the row hits their button later and then you come back and a lot of times they're really mad you skipped us i said no actually i tried to get all of your attention and none of you <laughs> none of you could be bothered so 
but I'm happy to get you something to drink now. <laughs> Do you ever? Uh, did you have to go through bartending training and like the, uh, no. learn how to make drinks and stuff? No, like and it's funny because I was just working with this girl the other day, and she was 22. How do you make a gin and tonic? Well, she, you know, she will. She'd look over the cart at me. This guy wants Crown Royal. What's that? I said, oh. We don't even have it. You know, yeah. he wants dark rum. We don't have that. We just have Bacardi. What? You know, so it's it's funny. <laughs> you know, you're, oh, the flight kids. attendants are either drinkers or they're not. So either we know what you're talking mm-hmm. about or you have to be very specific. But there's only certain you things you can make. I mean, oh, you can't, yeah. like, even a first class and somebody wants a... No, yeah. Oh, an, I've had an people old, ask... An old-fashioned. Yeah. You're not going to be muddling, right. you know? Yeah. Or they want a... Da- I've had people order a daiquiri before, A daiquiri. Right? I'd like a Tom oh, Collins, please. Let, let me get and, my blender out. Yeah. It's, in my, it's in my carry-on. Hold on. Frozen margarita. <laughs> Although some of our newer planes that fly international or uh, transcontinental, we have espresso machines Ooh. on them now, like fancy, nice ones. So I'd like a soy latte, please. And some of the triple sevens, the new ones now have a bar area between first and business class. So they're trying to get a little bit of the glamour back, you know. Or- Man, I've seen some. I, w- I was at a uh, travel function where they were showing the new uh, first class cabins on i think it was like a singapore airline one it's an apartment it's basically your yes. own oh room. Those are, yeah those amazing. are amazing oh, yeah God. some of them have showers yes i mean don't, crazy. don't look for that on the american no i no <laughs> i know it's so depressing but man i flew an emirates flight that they had something like that i was like oh my Amazing. Yeah, those are high dollar, high dollar. So we tickets. know the airports you hate. Are there one that are like you're the nicest ones? You think the one that does it right? If you could like point to an airport and go, everybody should do it the way they're doing it. I don't know. I mean, they all have their right. issues at certain times. Yeah, but and I mean, some like a, they're laid out good, like a good restaurants, good. Stuff. Well, I think O'Hare is great. Um, it's like a city in itself. Yeah. And the restaurants there, I mean, you can get everything from Wolfgang Puck to like mm-hmm. Rick Bayless. I mean, it's kind of crazy. San Francisco, too. San Francisco, I like It's amazing. Because it's all like local restaurants yes. and stuff. And that was nice. Yeah. And the train goes there. Gee, what a concept. <laughs> L.A. Um, well, that's great. Man, you answered a lot of questions. This is. A, I'm sorry to put you through all this, but... <laughs> No, I'm As a guest here, but I know people must ask you this. Is there anything you want to say to people before we wrap it up? Is something you always wanted to say to the passengers that, to make their lives easier and your life easier? I do want to say, it, I know there are some crusty flight attendants out there, as you guys have mentioned. Um, and they're not nice people, but I think that's a minority. If You'll find most of us want to like give you a nice experience we want you to be happy we want you to be comfortable realize we have limited tools to do that anymore and we try our best to help you and also when we're telling you to do something it's because we have to it's an faa rule i'm not having this conversation with you about your bag because i just want to talk to you so much about your carry-on luggage it's because if you're sitting at the bulkhead you just can't have it there people take it as sort of a personal (laughs) affront for some reason or they think i'm singling them out you know if your flight attendant's having a conversation with you about a safety related issue it's just because they have to and we are i mean i know people hate to hear that oh we're here for your safety but we really are i mean we do go through a lot of training and you know, we never want to have to use it. We hope you never have to experience it. But, 
you know, that's what we're doing. They're making sure the cabin's secure and safe for everybody. Nobody's bags are flying at anyone's face or seat backs flying in other people's faces, etc. But beyond that, yes, most of us really want to try to bend over backwards to make your flight enjoyable because the happier you are, the happier we all are. Please acknowledge us when you get on board, too, if we're standing there saying hello to you. At least look, you know. Mm-hmm. It's nice to. Sometimes I feel like we're invisible we're standing too. there. Yeah, love me. Right. If you if you smile at me, I might like. It's not even just a cute guy. If someone comes on and smiles at me and asks me how my day is, I might comp them a drink just for being a nice person. Have you ever watched a movie and seen uh, the way some flight attendant acted in the movie and go, "That is the biggest bunch of bullshit I've oh, ever seen"? Oh, all the time. I mean, basically <laughs> all of them. It's, right. It's. Was there something you said that you just like almost wanted to stand up and go, oh, come on. No, that will never happen. Was there any movie that stands out or some scene that you look aside from Airplane, which is awesome? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, all that stuff happens all the time. Uh, No, I really pretty much all all of them. I can't even think Mm -hmm. of a specific, but I, I have trouble. Like even Flight, like that was a great movie. The premise of that in itself, I, I was like, okay, I, because I don't want to ruin it for anyone. I didn't see it. it you know, too, but, you, spoiler alert. The, the pilot's an amazing pilot, but he's also an alcoholic. And it all comes down to these like empty mini bottles on the flight. Well, we use those. We use vodka to clean off the counter sometimes. Like, <laughs> really? It, it didn't have to be consumed. And like that's where it all came down to like these empty mini bottles yeah. was how we got supposed. And I thought that's really silly. <laughs> it's just not, it's just not the way it works. Have you ever been like, um, you're on a layover and you're out partying with some of the other flight attendants. And then you look at your watch and it's, you're close into the, uh, eight hour limit. We're very mindful of that. Everyone usually is like, okay, we time it out. This you have an alarm on your phone stop. or something? People, people will do that. A I drinking mean, alarm? I tend not to want to drink up to the eight hours because you're just, you know, you're tired you anyway. Sleep. And you got to sleep and you got to work. And it's, well, I mean, we now, work like but, you know, at 22, hours. you're not as, uh, well, you yeah. know, you like to think. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, we were, all were not but as no. responsible back then. We don't push it. I mean, we, we work hard when we're at work, but we also have more time off generally than... Do you you know we don't work five days a week every week so we, there's plenty of time on your off days to be having a nice time so you don't need to push it on your layovers. Can you give us like an inside t- secret, like as a traveler, some things we can do to make our lives better at the airport or with the airline? Well, part of it is packing. I think if people could learn to like pack a little smarter, maybe pack a little less, less. Less. I always tell people to underpack. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the layers is huge. Um, what else? Bring you know, if you want to drink a lot of water on the flight, bring a bottle because we only have so much. I'm sorry, even if it's four and a half hours, we just we're going to run out at some point. And again, like we're happy to give you everything we have, but at some point, we're going to run out. I I had a woman last night. Um, unfortunately, they didn't board any red wine in first class which was obviously an oversight so we had to give all of the coach red wine to first class but that amounts to six splits that's it yeah so of course like my third person i'll have red wine i'm so sorry i don't have it i have white i have cocktails i'll be happy to comp you any of that she looked like 
her dog had just died. Like she couldn't believe. How dare you? Right. You're and... flying through space. <laughs> exactly. It's amazing. Shut up. Yeah. I you had, don't have the red wine. Yeah, she said, I had my heart set on the red wine. Yeah. If you that, really have your heart set on red wine that much, I mean, you're not supposed to bring it on board yourself, yeah. but maybe have one in the airport. A, you're an alcoholic. <laughs> B, you shouldn't um, want airline wine that badly. It's really bad in the back anyway. But <laughs> And I was trying, like I said, like we tried, a, I offered to comp or anything. She didn't want it. Well, then another flight attendant came through later and she said, can't I just have some of the first class wine? And she said, well, actually, we gave the coach wine first, which is why we don't have it. Uh, and then she didn't believe her. It's like, we're, it's not a conspiracy. Oh, my God. You know, we, it's just a I'd glass love of wine. to pour you a glass of red wine from first if I had extra. We do it You're all the time. You're not at home. You know, we're not yeah. a restaurant. Right. Well, that's the other. We're not. A, people are like, well, don't you have this? Don't, or the dreaded. If we were a restaurant, you wouldn't eat here. Exactly. No one would. No one would eat here. Um, the dreaded. Would you like something to drink? What do you have? Oh, <laughs> just tell me what you want, right, sir. Like, well, what do you drink? And I'll give you the closest facsimile we have. <laughs> exactly. Do you have a diet slice? No, we have this. I had someone ask me for rice milk the other day. Of course, it was <laughs> was coming out here to the West Coast. The best request I ever saw. I was taken like during ski season. There is a, uh, like American had a direct from, to Aspen from LAX. Like one of, it was a smaller, like American Eagle almost, but you know, a jet like that. But one woman, and, and the, you can imagine flights from LA to Aspen, the kind of crowd. Yes. You know, a lot of facelifts, a <laughs> lot of crazy. So some lady <laughs> in her decked out kind of fur, you know, sitting there. She's probably like 70. And she goes to the uh, flight attendant. She goes, excuse me, do you have one of those eucalyptus inhalers? <laughs> and the <laughs> flight attendant's looking at her like, what? No, no, no we don't have... we don't. Guys, we can't even give you aspirin anymore. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. Like, we're real, we used to be able to do that. We're not even allowed to give Not even out. aspirin? No. Nope. Dramamine? Nothing. Can you give that? No. Nope. No. There's no boarded medicine of any... Well, just... Xanax. There are, there are kits <laughs> right I wish... There are kits that, that physicians can open where we have actual things that people need if they are distressed. But other, there's nothing flight attendants can give you on the plane anymore. So if you think you're going to have a headache or something, bring all your medicine. Buy it in the bookstore mm-hmm. in the airport. They have ibuprofen. Yeah. It's only at a great it's price. Twenty five dollars for <laughs> yeah. five. Have you ever had to do the dreaded? Is there a doctor on the flight? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's well. We were talking you, about that earlier. Remember? Yeah. So we had the yeah. But how do you it, make that announcement? The people got to be like, oh no. With, um, you uh, just make it. I, I also, I had a woman just come up and pass out. Like she almost hit me. She just fell flat on the floor. Mm. So I get down. I'm shaking. Are you okay? Immediately on the PA. Is there a doctor on she board? Just faint with- she, it just turned out she had a blood pressure issue. Oh. So she was okay. But I mean, anytime you don't know. Well, the doctor on the board doesn't scare me. It's the, is there a pilot on board? Well, that, that would, that would be bad. Scary one. <laughs> is there anybody but, here who knows how to fly a plane? Like just as, just as often as we have doctors on board, there's a lot of other pilots on board any flight, too, just so you know. Really? So feel safe. Yeah, Why? Because, well, a lot of people commute, which this is a concept that I don't understand because I would never do it myself, but people will be based somewhere and live somewhere else. So they fly to work, and then they work their trips, and then they fly Oh, that's like home. their daily commute. Yeah. Like, so more often than not, there's a, another pilot on the a plane? A lot of times there are other pilots on the plane and other flight attendants. There has to be 
two at all times. There's always two in the, the cockpit. In the cockpit right. Yeah. And there's also sometimes another pilot up there, even jump seating, we call it, or there, we have FAA on board. Sometimes you don't, the pastors don't know it, but there'll be oh, an wow. FAA person in the cockpit. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. That's weird to think about that. The, that's like their normal commute. Yeah. Oh, cool. All right. But this is, this has been awesome. I'm we glad to, you think we've so. We've covered a lot of ground. Thank you so much for doing this. You're welcome. Anything uh, you'd like to say to the people out there at large before well, we go? thank you for your questions. <laughs> and thank you for flying on all of us major carriers. Not that you have a choice. We know you have many choices to fly. <laughs> like, and we thank you for your business. I love that announcement now because it's like, well, actually, we don't. No. We don't like have many. three companies right. that own all of them. <laughs> right. You know, well, that's the other thing. But, uh, just real quick before I do you know, all these mergers, how has that affected, you know, how is that going to affect us and how does that affect you? Uh, I th- I, Are they folded into bad. your union? I mean, it's, it all depends. You, you know, they're, everyone's merging now and it's, it's a, always a tough process and yeah. the unions have to figure out which unions, well, the membership has to figure out which union they're going to choose to represent them and... Then contracts have to be rewritten and oh, agreed again. upon. Yeah, so it's not fun. Yeah. Less but choice for us. Less choice. I'm sure that'll send prices way down. Well, I, well, I don't even you know. The pricing, you know, is is crazy anyway. You're always going to have somebody on the plane that paid $100 and then somebody else that paid 1200 But, you know, that's economics. You know, that's basic economics. Yeah. You know. So those women at the gate, usually it's women. I just shouldn't say that. Men, women. But are those flight attendants too? No, those are set. That's customer the, service agents. Okay, so they're different. So that's a separate. Okay. Yeah. Separate because sometimes thing. you'll see somebody come off the plane and they'll go right to that desk. Well, because they'll go down and op- you know, we open the door and they're there. Oh, okay. To, you know, and ma- sometimes they'll make your like baggage claim announcement, but we have all that information now. So, okay. but it's still procedure for someone to be on the other side of the door when we open it. Oh, right on. Okay. Well, this has been the longest show ever. Sorry. No, that's been great. <laughs> no, we had so much to talk about because I've always wanted to, these are questions that I've always wanted to ask and a lot of other people had questions too because we don't know. That's the thing that, that drives most people nuts. It's like when, whenever they're delayed, it's one thing when they don't hear it, you know, when they don't know why, when they're not telling us, okay, our, your flight's been canceled. Well, what? Right. Give us info. The be- best thing is information. And I, I will say I always try to, I want everyone to know too, because then it it is frustrating (laughs) for everybody not to know. And, you know, but it's just like anything else. You, you'll get some captains that are awesome that will actually come out of the cockpit, get on the PA, stand in front where everyone can see them and say, this is exactly what's happening. And then you get some that, you know, they just don't want to come out and they'll tell us to make announcements. And sometimes we don't know. I mean, especially if it's weather, you're just waiting. And then once, everyone's delayed then it becomes an air traffic control issue so we're waiting for air traffic to Mm. tell us when we can go um and then mechanical things going back to what you're saying about those old planes even though they're old they're still pretty awesome pieces of machinery because you know these planes get worked on way more than anyone's automobile i mean they're constantly being checked and the parts are being replaced and even if the outside and the interior looks bad a lot of the you know mechanisms could be brand new so, but when there's a problem, it's a real problem. And, you know, we're going to sit there until it gets fixed or we get another airplane because none of us want to get up in the air in that aircraft. Yeah, it makes sense. And, you know, sometimes we just don't have an update for you. But 
we try so, some of us try to communicate yeah. as much as we can <laughs> and some hide <laughs> yeah, right. well uh thank you for all you do up there for thank us thank you thank you for being one of the stellar passengers oh yeah you know thank you very much i do what i can no i love flying i mean it, it's brought me around the world it's brought me so much so i hope it still remains semi-affordable that we can do it and most people hopefully get to do it but i also don't want to see it become a Greyhound bus in the sky, you know, that's, right. that's, it's teetering, it's on, teetering on the, um, it could go either way. Right. But, so. um, it's still, it's still really cool and you're lucky I think you so. get to do it. I love it. And you get to come here. That's right. Yes. For nothing. For you were nothing. paid to get here. <laughs> I'll keep that quiet. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, that's uh Gretchen, everybody. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Bye. Make my way.